This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. And today I'm joined with Rio Rocket, who is an actor, artist, podcaster and entrepreneur. Rio, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. So one of the things that really intrigued me about yourself is just how much you've attempted, tried and become successful at over the years. They're all very creative things. They're not things that, you know, we tend to coincide with wanting to build a career on the sort of corporate ladder, if you will. Was it something that you would born with? Were you always creative? Were you always sort of made that way? Actually, I, I was because when I was young, I could draw before I could write. So I'd watch cartoons. I, I'd read comic books just like any other kid. But at a very young age, you know, I would also draw the comics. I would draw the cartoons that I was watching on the TV and I would do the voices as well. And as I grew up, I've, I tried different things, different career spaces, and everything always brought me back to being creative. So it's definitely something I was born with. How much did you actually try to do? I mean, drawing before you could write might seem a little bit intense, but does that mean that you communicated with pictures as well? Because that came more naturally to you more than writing the words? The best way I can describe it is, so to most people, they see words and those words form sentences and ideas. And I formed my sentences and ideas through shapes and colors and form and drawings before I could actually write down my thoughts on paper, before I could read a book. It's just, I looked at everything visually and my mind still thinks that way, even though I know how to read and write, obviously, I still think in shapes of form and I look at everything. And one of the most interesting things that I ever learned when I went to college to study art and design is that everything you see around you, whether it's living or non-living, was drawn somehow. There's a blueprint for it. There's a matrix for it. and that just helps me see the world in a way I see patterns and things. And I say, okay, that's a good pattern. Maybe that can be repeated in something else. And I could find a way to monetize that or to, you know, make a living off of it. Was making a living in the back of your mind? Because from my own experience, I, I would consider myself creative. I consider myself I guess the the phrase or the the term that came to my mind when I was sort of learning about myself was this idea of imagineering. I think it was uh, Walt Disney that first sort of mentioned stuff like that. It's taking your imagination and then making it real or trying to create from your imagination. Was that something that you'd probably refer to yourself as as well? In my 20s, when I started you know, doing design, doing branding, illustration. I read that word Imagineering through uh, a Walt Disney project. And I realized that that's what I'm doing. Someone would come to me 
and they would describe these characters and they say, hey, I, I got an idea for a children's book or I have an idea for a poster or a mascot. And they just explain the idea in words. And then I'd go and I'd actually draw the character and I'd color the character in and present it to them. And they would say, how did you possibly do that? Like, this is exactly what I was thinking in my mind. And I said, well, I imagineered it. I used my imagination to engineer something a little bit more tangible that you had in your head that originated as a thought. Well, what I find really interesting about is if you go back far enough, there are cave drawings, right? So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so in theory, drawings did actually come first. Have you ever had to, I wouldn't say explain how you process information, but have you ever had to take what you do and try to put that to more complex ideas? Because pictures is one thing, but trying to convey a message through picture comes across as maybe a bit different given people will take different things from it. The whole picture says a thousand words, it depends on what those thousand words are, right? So have you ever had to do that? I think I may have, I, okay, so I, I worked on a campaign uh, from a company called Tioga, and I believe they're based in Japan. They're, um, you know, they're, they make tires, they make rugged terrain tires for, for bikes. And they came to me with this idea for the five elements and each element would be represented by a different character. So it's five different mascots and they ran this ad. It was five half page ads in bike magazine. And, you know, there was the black turtle and there was the blue dragon and the yellow Kieran, which is a mythical creature uh, and the, the Phoenix, the, the Phoenix and a couple of the characters. So, and the white tiger, can't forget about the white tiger. And so with each ad there, what they had no idea how they wanted this laid out. They said, you know, we're just trusting in you to put this all together. So you're talking about taking a product, a physical product, a mascot and words and making that tell a story. But then with each ad, the story continues. So that's a lot different from just a painting, right? Or just a drawing and you could just say whatever you want about it. Yeah. And I, I said, listen, we're gonna make it look like uh, half page comic book panels. And I'm going to use the, I believe the font is called Comic Sans. It's that comic book font. And we're gonna use, you know, the cartoon bubbles, but we're going to make the creatures really intense. And they're going to be in some way interacting with the tire. Like they'll be reaching out at the tire and the environment will represent which terrain that tire is best for. And, you know, as they would, as we would go through it, they would, you know, you, you can't just submit to a client. Okay. Here. Yeah. Here's the work. You have to explain it to them also and say, this is why it works. And so I think, you know, based on memory, that was one of the projects or instances where I really had to connect pictures, ideas, thoughts, and words. And this was for a multi, multi, I have no idea what their entire budget was, but they ran it in Bike Magazine and in a few other magazines uh, throughout Europe and, uh, and Asia, of course. 
And I'm not sure if it ran in the United States. I think it did eventually, but they sent me a copy of the magazines and, you know, I still have it to this day. So. Oh, awesome. I thought mm-hmm. that it started off with pictures and then that was the, the main sort of pressure, I guess. You had a lot of pressure to be able to explain this when you had to take your initial, you know, this is how I learn things. This is how I process my information and yet you had to then sort of break it down in a way that everybody else would understand how did that change things or how did that alter when you were like okay this is the big wide world now I've got to get a job I've got to get a career I've got to afford the lifestyle that I that I want you know that moment when you realize hey things actually cost money so when when that happened and you were sort of sat there like, okay, how can I do this long-term? How can I get the most out of this? What was the, what was the thought process? How, how did you actually go, right, let's turn this into something more than just you processing things visually? So at that point I was uh, established. Now, prior to that, I, the reason why I went back to college in my, you know, I I went to college right after high school, but just, you know, for one semester, I didn't know what I wanted to study. I was more interested in music and and things like that. But then in my twenties, I went right back to college and I said, I have to do something with this gift, with this talent. And every single day, as soon as I got my books, the first day I went home and read every book to the, to the, to the end, front to back. And every day I had a class, I went home and applied that to whatever I was doing. I learned Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator, and it was Adobe Flash at that time to create animation, Dreamweaver to build websites, so on and so forth. Um, I immediately started monetizing my knowledge. I already knew I was going to take every sentence that the teacher spoke and every page that I read and turn it into a dollar. That was, that was my intention from the beginning. So it, you know, it started, I think my first project was a $50 logo that I got on, I got the project on elance.com, which is now Upwork, I believe. And I think Upwork bought them. And it, it was for a Greek wellness company named uh, Ethos. And I thought $50 at that time for drawing something was like, the most incredible thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> and sure. Now, fifty dollars was was nothing to me monetarily. It was very, it wasn't a lot of money to me. But for drawing, it seemed amazing because this was a company all the way in Greece, and it was my very first project. And so, what I would always do is, after every project, please leave me a review. Uh, if anyone remembers Elance.com, it was a great website for freelancers, and you know, your reputation grows, your website, people see you and find you. And then I get contacted by a man named Kai uh, from Japan. And he says, you know, I'm in charge of marketing for Tioga and we have this big project. And that was at that time, I believe the largest project, you know, up to that current point that I ever got. So when I saw those zeros at the end, you know, I said, okay, I've, I've finally arrived. I'm here. And I have to make a big splash. I have to uh, put put everything. I have to pour 
everything I've got into this. I want to have a headache when I'm done with it. And I know that that was going to solidify me doing this for the rest of my life. Like I'll never stop branding. I'll never, you know, I'm also an actor now and I do other things now, but I'm never going to stop branding and designing because that's like something that's coming from your, your soul, your heart. That's like, it's this juice that's overflowing and someone will always pay you to make their idea visible or tangible or believable. And that's where I'm at. <laughs> so over the, the years, then you, you've obviously grown the, the skill elements, you know, your ability to take how you learn, how you put your imagineering, if you will, to, to good use. And what really surprised me, at least, is when I found out that you also have a podcast, which tends to be an audio, mostly audio, sort of platform. Do you use your visual bias, I guess, or your visual gift, if you will, with the podcast element as well? When I designed, if you go to the podcast website, designyourdecade.io, or if you're on Apple Podcasts, for example, you'll see the album artwork or podcast cover artwork. I designed the logo, the cover. Uh, every other cover is a different cover. You know, I add a little creativity to it. And some of our marketing materials, you know, you'll see a bit of design, uh, maybe some artwork there, in which I use that to enhance and brand and make the podcast more marketable. Now, yeah, it's audio only, right? We didn't intend for it to be that way. Uh, Rose, my, my friend, co-host Roseanne Santos, her and I started planning Design Your Decade two years ago, and it was meant to be a video portal. Mike, have you ever used masterclass.com? I've never used it myself, but I, I recognize the name. Okay. So Masterclass is, it's like Netflix, but it's just all self-development and they bring the best of the best in the world on masterclass.com, you know, whether it be Samuel Jackson or, you know, a CEO of the CEO of Walt Disney, for example, all the, all these masters in one place. So it was meant to be design your decade was going to be a video portal. It was going to be the Netflix of career growth or maybe a masterclass, but more focused on one thing and one thing alone, uh, skill building, you know, developing your skills and applying it to your career, not just a bunch of different things, you know, how to produce music and sing and write and cook as masterclass goes into wh whatever subject they go into. So it was going to be the Netflix for career growth. And when the pandemic set in and we had to quarantine, video sh shooting on a set was impossible the logistics we just cannot manage. So I said, well, okay, I'll tell you what, let's make this audio only. Let's, let's do it as a podcast. And that way we don't have to worry about filming and we don't have to worry about our appearance. We can just sit down and do this. So I built out a, a studio in my home and after doing a ton of research on, you know, what, what equipment to use to get the best sound. Uh, without completely breaking the bank. And we built out the studio 
uh, we started planning the episodes. And if you listen to the episodes, one thing that I try to do is paint a visual with audio. So at the beginning of every episode, there's a skit because it's actually comedic. I mean, I don't think anyone wants to hear a podcast start and say, uh, well, you've got to get a good job in life and, you know, interview well and, you know, work hard. No one one wants to hear that. What people want, they want to be entertained. They want to laugh. So we start with a comedic sketch in the beginning of every single episode. And sometimes it can go on anywhere between two and six or eight minutes. Um, Usually five minutes, I'd say, is an average. And we just try to make it as, you know, out the box and wild and hilarious as it can be. And since I'm a voice actor, that fits right in my wheelhouse. And I'm, I'm just trying to entertain people, but I want them to learn something while they're laughing. And that's how I, you know, I, I try to conjure these images in people's minds as we're speaking. And that's how I connect the audio to the visual. Hopefully that I can inspire people to, to draw what life they want to live and how they want to see themselves in the future through my speaking and the delivery of our information. What words do you use to help paint a picture for people? Do you have any go-to phrases that you like to use? Do you have anything that triggers the the more visual side of us while you're speaking? The thing I say the most is get coached, move up the ladder, make bank. It's that simple. Find someone who knows more than you know, someone who is qualified to coach you in what your area, whether it's creative or corporate, and move up that ladder. That's what we're all trying to do. Move up our career ladder. If there's a glass ceiling, just shatter it, break right through, because you'll be undeniable if you develop the right skills. You'll be seen as so valuable that they have to let you into that upper tier, that upper echelon, whether it be a C-suite, which is for corporate types, or you become sort of a lead in a creative field. I, I think in most creative fields, the person at the top is a lead. And, and make bank get paid for your skills, get paid for your worth, because you, you never, you don't earn what you deserve to be paid. You earn what you have the leverage to negotiate and you can negotiate very large numbers when you're very valuable, when that, that value is based on a skill set, And that's a, that's the crux of what we teach. It's not about what you deserve. It's not about what you think that you're worth. It's about what you can negotiate. I quite like that. I quite like the idea of if you can negotiate, then you can walk away with a lot more. Because what what I've noticed is if it's based on what you think you deserve, that relates in some way to your self-esteem and how you see yourself. And what you believe that you're worth. But if you can negotiate, there's a good chance you can get more than what you deserve. Would I be right in saying that? You can get more than you, exactly. (laughs) If you can prove somehow that you have some exotic value and skill set, that it's just so unique, it's so different from anyone else, you'll get more than you deserve. 
we 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 see that a lot, right? We see that in in media and entertainment. We see people getting paid more than we think they they deserve to be paid. And but that's listen, that's a testament to that person's ability to present themselves. They know their brand, they know their strengths, and our podcast is based on the five pillars of success. The first pillar is strengths, knowing your strengths. So you always want to lead with your strengths. You don't work on the things that you're terrible at. Let someone else take care of that. Work only lead with the things you're amazing at. And if anyone, this is a little uh, tidbit here. Albert Einstein, many people would agree that he was one of the most brilliant people in, in history. And Albert Einstein was brilliant, but he was only brilliant in one field, in physics itself. He wasn't brilliant in, in every single subject. There may have been things he knew nothing about, but he didn't tinker with those things. He led with science. And that's why we, he's so revered. And we should all take a, a lesson and a note from Albert Einstein that, I mean, you go deep dive in the thing that you're great at and make that so overwhelmingly present and visible that no one even cares what you're not good at. I really like the phrase that of if you dive into your strengths enough and become world-class or brilliant at those things, it's almost like the mistakes don't matter as much because you can make up for it by being brilliant at something. Does that speak to then to the, the subjects or the topics or the skills that maybe weren't natural to you? Maybe they're things that you had to learn from scratch, let's say. Is, is that ever happened, do you think, where people have started from zero and had to learn from scratch and then became brilliant? Or is it something that you notice people have this innate natural gift with? Hmm. I. I think you'll probably find scenarios where it's one and then it's the other, depending on the person. Sometimes people have untapped potential and they don't realize it. So they think they, they find something that they're brilliant at that they never even bothered to explore. So it does seem like zero to 100, right? It seems like nothing to brilliant, but the person they had an innate ability to function at a high level at that particular subject, but they just never got to it or they were never exposed to it. They never thought of it. And when the timing was right, because everything works based on timing, when the timing was right and they started dealing in that subject, they found out they learned it at a rate maybe 10 times or 100 times quicker than someone who is just not their cup of tea. So I, I think sometimes it's the perception that someone goes from zero to brilliant. But what it really is, is that was, that was their calling all along. And they just needed to square up some other business before they got to it. That definitely comes across as it's an awareness game. So like mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're aware of it early enough, it feels like a natural gift. But if you were busy learning other things and then you picked up something quickly or it feels like zero to a hundred, it never was. It just, it just looks that way 
because of how your sort of timeline of life, if you will, lined up. But if you'd started early enough, it would feel like it was just a natural gift. But this is something you could always have been good at. Of course. It's it's just a matter of circumstances that you're born into. Some people are born into circumstances where they are forced to find what they what they're meant to do at a young age because maybe from poverty okay and you'll see that with boxers and people who engage in combat sports and, and also also just other sports right a lot of the athletes come from poverty and they just have a need to make something of themselves from a young age uh but there are others who maybe if your life was a little more comfortable, you have the luxury of trying various things. And maybe that comfort works against you because it makes you think you have all the time in the world to explore everything in the world before you finally settle down later in life and find what you need to do. So we don't know, right? It's a case-by-case basis. But if you want to be really, really great at something, you're going to have to develop a self-awareness for what you, what sticks and what doesn't stick. And I just say, stick with what sticks. Don't work. Don't even bother with the things that are, you know, rocket science to you. That's a very interesting way of looking at it because the people out there that will never hit their best at thing, you know, the topic that they can be best at, simply because they've never been exposed to it. I mean, the things that I would consider myself great at now, I can only imagine what it would be like if I'd started early enough. Because everything that I do now to this day was after I left, should we say, formal education. Everything post-formal education are the things that I'm doing now. So imagine where people like myself would be at if they simply were exposed to it early enough, which kind of speaks to what you mentioned regarding boxers that sort of probably more poverty-driven places, if you would. Mm. And they're almost they're almost in a position whereby they don't have a whole lot of choice, but they find something that they work hard at to then get good at. That's that's something that's always it's all, I wouldn't say it's frustrated me, but I do wish opportunity was equal. Even if things like the results that we get won't be equal, the effort that we get won't be equal. I, I'm in a position whereby I'm starting to feel like potential should be equal, despite everything else potentially being unequal. What What are your thoughts on that? Um. So one thing, as you were saying that, it it brought a thought to my head. There's such thing as a a prodigy or a savant. There are people who were never bad at certain things, ever. They started great at it. Um, So I was never bad at drawing. I was never bad at working with color because it it was given to me, right? I didn't have to search for it. It was just given to me. Uh, some people were were never bad at music or they were never bad at, um, you know, maybe running or jumping or things that require precision. They just, from a young child, they they could just do these things amazingly. Even math, things that are not physical. 
And if, if you are in a situation where uh, you're a child and regardless of poverty or not, you immediately cling to something and you're great at it and you get to grow up in that. I mean, I think that that's the best possible scenario. Um, there, I can think of many people who, who grew up in that scenario where it, it was just, it was meant to be. They were meant to be the best. Um, you know, Bruce Lee was meant to be the best martial artist that ever lived. Um, you know, arguably, debatedly, um, Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson in boxing and Tiger Woods in golf or Tom Brady as a quarterback. It's just that person was just it was just in the stars. It was it was already written that they were going to do what they were going to do. And there's nothing that could have derailed their career. Nothing. So now we're getting into things that are more spiritual, maybe like, you know, what do you feel in your soul and your calling and how you communicate with the universe? Um, and if you can't find what your calling is to call out and say, please guide me, I just need a sign, just light something up, put something in front of me. And, and that happens as well, right? There, there are people who have been homeless. And uh, do, do you remember the story? We had a story here in the United States where there was a homeless man and he was um, he had a sign out. He was asking for money on the side of the road. Someone pulled, pulled out, pulled up and had their camera phone on. And when this man spoke, they said he had the golden voice. And he immediately got an offer on a radio station. And now he's doing very well. I think it was a, a six-figure contract right from the start. And they, they call him the man with the golden voice. I don't recall his name, but this was a story over here in the US. Wow. So, so he was never bad at speaking, but he, the timing wasn't right for him. It took him to be homeless for half his life and for the right person to drive up to him with a smartphone, because without a smartphone, it would have never happened because he got noticed through social media. So there's forces at work that are beyond even our understanding. Sometimes you just have to trust the process. It's almost like um, the Justin Bieber's of the world that get found on the likes of YouTube and now all of a sudden they're world-renowned performers and singers and mm -hmm. icons of, of a lot of industries. And it's amazing what can happen. And you mentioned it took this man to be homeless to actually find or be exposed to the opportunity of the radio contract do you ever feel like because if you think about it being homeless and in a pretty difficult position that's not a positive thing so when that happened to him he kind of thought, oh, it'll be fine. I'll get a radio contract in five years. So how, how do you analyze things like progress and whether it's good or bad? And then how, because it's easy to reconcile it or look with hindsight and go, well, yeah, things worked out great for him, but what about this person over here? And it can be very easy to connect the dots in that way. But in the moment... He kind of had that rationale for being homeless or any of the other potentially bad things that happen to people. How do you how do you picture it and look at it? I see it as 
when you're chopping down a tree, it could be the largest tree in the world. And you just, you're just whacking away, whacking away with your ax. And it may be hard to chart your progress, right? Because I mean, it's just blood and sweat and tears until, you know, until you reach a certain point and you reach a certain point and there's one day where there's one swing that falls the tree that that tree just goes down but it wasn't the one swing that chopped down the tree it was the 10,000 swings that came before it that makes every swing equally as important and so progress is just being and existing i mean every day you wake up you made pro- progress somehow some way in some unknown way now, granted, you should be working on something. You should be actively working on something, not just saying, well, I woke up today. I made it another day. You should do something that day. But in the case with the homeless man, he was actually advertising himself and he didn't know it. He was marketing his talent and he had no clue he was doing it. And so it took the invention of the smartphone and the camera phone to one day connect him to social media, to connect him to the radio station that gave him the contract. He was making progress every day by standing outside on the street. What's the difference between someone who has a home and stands out on the street and sings in the subway or in the corner and someone who's homeless and stands out? The only difference is, is that the person that has a home is a little bit more comfortable, but they may not be as they may not have the pressure if another opportunity comes. They may be fine with just standing out on the street and coming back to their home because maybe they have a day job and maybe they just do that on the side, right? And now we get into side hustles. So if you consider something a side hustle, will it ever become your passion career? It may never because you treat it as something on the side. But when you have nothing, when you are at rock bottom and the only thing you have is your ability to speak and interact with people. Some way, someone may one day and say, I think you make a great model. Let me put you in a magazine, which has happened many times. Or your voice is amazing. I'll put you on the radio, which has happened. So are you better off homeless? I don't think so. But sometimes you're better off working under duress. You know, pressure pressure can be used to create positive changes in your life. I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think there's there's also a sense of sometimes people need that little bit of pressure to actually get them moving. A lot of people talk about things like motivation and how to be motivated to do something. And my brain used to get to well why don't you like do things even though you don't feel like it there's a real element of you know we have to wait for you to feel in that perfect mental space you could be waiting a long time but then there's a lot to think about when it comes to well maybe you don't have the pressure for if something bad was to happen because you didn't take any action it's almost like if there's no negative impact to not do something then what reason do you have to do it (laughs) right that's a good point 
And that's that's what I mean by being under duress. There has to be some pressure in your life. There has to be some negative force in order for you to create such an overwhelmingly positive force that you achieve a high level of success. I don't think you can do it comfortably. There has to be a level of discomfort that drives you and motivate, even if it's just out of spite, even if some, how many people have said, oh, you'll never make it as a singer. You'll never make it as an actor. You'll never make it as a writer. And that, that's what drove the person to become as great as they did. <laughs> it could be a one-off situation. Just one person said it to me, pissed me off. I became the greatest writer that ever lived. <laughs> yeah. oh, you'll never be a good writer. Pfft, watch me. You know, mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. Who says I can't do it? Watch me. I'll do it. I'll be the best. Mm-hmm. Well, then you'd be sat there at home watching TV, and there will be me on the uh, the giving end of the TV. <coughs> that's that's something that a lot of people actually feel sometimes. What that does bring up, though, that is that there are people out there that. We don't think that that's sustainable. You know, to trying to take action, trying to do things from a, a spite or a, a negative motivation, if you will. You know, you said, I can't do it. Watch me, right? It's almost like when you get there, it's not as fulfilling because of why you started. You know, your your rationale for doing something was to... It was to almost, you know, like a, a screw you to them, right? You know, I'm going to go and do it. And when you get there, some people think that it almost feels hollow in comparison to someone with a bit more self-motivated from the beginning. It's like two people can achieve the same things, but it's their motivation for doing it that makes one of them fulfilled and the other one not. Well, what, what would you say to that? I think that um, being hurt and being angry is a stronger motivator than just being self-motivated and being encouraged lightly. So it's whatever the stronger emotion is. So if you're already motivated to do something because you just enjoy it and you get some light encouragement, I don't know if you can go as far as a group of people saying to you, you'll never be successful at that. And it hurting and you being angry and you feeling like, am, am I a failure? Is this, is this, is this lost? Is my energy and efforts lost on this failing endeavor? No, it can't be. And just, Going to like that's that's a stronger motivator, at least in, from my perception, than everything being status quo all the time on your way up. I I rather be hurt and and angry and have to spite and prove someone wrong than to just be sailing along and getting a mild pat on the back every once in a while. But that's that's me. Right. That's I don't know if everyone works exactly the same way, because now we're getting into like the mind, how, how everyone's mind works. But stronger emotions are always going to drive you. So if you maybe you're super passionate about something because your parents, one of your parents was into it 
or per- some person you idolized was into it. And it made you want to be, um, you know, great also with that. Um, a magician. How, I think a lot of magicians, for example, say that they saw Houdini or they saw some other famous magician uh, do something. And they said, that just made me go crazy about magic. And I just wanted to be the best magician I could be. And they may not even go into the same type of magic. They may not do, you know, great escapes. They may do card magic or some other form of magic. Right. But that, that's something where I can, I can really say when I've listened to interviews with David Blaine, for example, where how he was inspired by some of the great magicians out there. So it's the strongest emotion usually wins. <laughs> um, and I'm just going to, I'm going to go with that for my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree. I think everyone's driven by different things. Everyone's motivated in different ways. And I think as long as you can, as long as you can feel fulfilled by it, because if it's just negative and you get to the end and that's all that it ever was, that's a difficult, it's not necessarily a difficult life because we all have struggles and things, but it's a difficult accomplishment if that's the only reason why you did it as well. But having said that, along the journey, from my own experience, along the journey, you pick up things. You pick up reasons to go on. You pick up, you know, maybe it's started off as a, you know, you told me I can't do this, watch me. What I've found is along the way, you better start off that way, but then you realize how how much of a positive impact you can have on your family. Or you get a lot of recognition from your friends or from peers. So while it might start off proving people wrong, it it very rarely stays that way. Because it's hard, right? Achieving things, achieving greatness, achieving the things that you set out to achieve, they're not easy. And to push through the difficult times, you need to have a reason to do that. And as they get harder Mm -hmm. and harder, why you go on also needs to be more powerful as well. And in my mind, just proving someone wrong, let's say five or 10 years ago, doesn't really hold up when things start to get really tough. And you've got to make very, very difficult decisions with your friends, with your family, with your peers, your business, your uh, adventures, your career, whatever it is. At some point, just proving someone wrong doesn't really stack up, I don't think. It, you know, we, so our, uh, on my podcast, I believe it was episode 21 and it was entitled, Want Me to Do Something? Tell Me I Can't. And that was about two weeks ago. And we covered that. Why some people crumble when they hear those words and other people completely catch on fire and for those that catch on fire it does it helps them out in the beginning yes but after a certain number of years i would agree with you it starts to wear off you're you're you might start running on fumes if you don't get the continued uh reinforced negativity that originally got you started but then 
if you are meant to do this, I believe you will find another reason. Something will occur in your family, in your life. You may have children. You may get married. You may have to care for a loved one. And that will continue to drive you. Or the cost of living in New York City, which is enough to drive anyone to to work like crazy. Okay. (laughs) However you find it, wherever you get motivation from, it doesn't matter. Just find it somewhere and use it. So don't just hang on to the first thing that got you started. Continue to pick up other forms of motivation along the way. Um, I mean, social media, uh, they say, is, is the, you know, it's like a playground for haters, right? And the people who know how to feed off the negativity and know how to keep continuously um, use it to drive them forward, we find a very, they're some of the most successful people in the world. But the people who know how to um, use, not not really use things like that for motivation, but inspiration, who find inspiration in things. For example, with acting, I I am inspired by the craft of acting because it's the ability to tell a story and sus- and create a suspension of belief in the viewer or the listener or the reader. And you literally, you can just suck someone into a TV show, a film, or even listening to audio or a book. That, that craft itself, I am inspired by it. There is, I have no negative thing to draw upon. No one's ever told me that you'll never become a successful actor. I just went out and did it. And because, I guess because of previous successes, everyone always said, now you probably do that as well because, you know, you were successful in other creative endeavors. So I, I, I have to find now, um, I have to draw an inspiration and I can just turn on Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus or go to the movies or read a book and continue to find inspiration to be part of a story, to be a storyteller within a story. And at some point, yes, you will have to land there at the deeper purpose, deeper meaning of what you're doing. But just worry about getting started first because you can't think ahead to, okay, well, what will I draw upon five years from now when I'm not angry or hurt by people's words anymore? Just get started. Just take a step forward. How do you find what motivates you now? What's the what's the push for Rio to this day? And what would you say are your go-to things for finding the inspiration and becoming inspired enough to do something even to this day, once you've achieved what you've achieved already. I need something to do. I go crazy if I don't have anything to do and I need things to pour my creativity into. So now that I find, okay, I've got a podcast and, and, I'm doing acting. Okay, so how do I now? How do I find inspiration within those things? I listen to other people. I watch other people perform. I consume. I consume a ton of content, uh, film, TV, and audio, and not just. I won't just say podcast because I listen to audio books as well. So I'll just group it into audio. So I, I consume a, and YouTube. I consume a ton of content. And no idea is a bad idea. 
because even if it's a bad idea, it helped me, you know, learn what not to do. Right. That's a good. So it's a good idea that I listened to it because now I know what not to do because that definitely didn't seem right. Um, anything, uh, key and peel, um, which is a, do you have, do you guys have that over there in the UK? We don't know, but uh, the audience is everywhere. So feel free to to name drop some of the, the okay bring things for you. Okay, so Key and Peele is uh, Jordan Peele and uh, Michael Keegan. They have a comedy skit show, and it is absolutely hilarious. And although it's on TV now, YouTube is the go-to for it. And Jordan Peele uh, now has directed many films, Get Out and and us, and he's done the new Twilight Zone. Um, so he's writing and directing, and he's become very prominent. The someone who is someone like him, who has the ability to, I mean, you watch him in one skit and he's playing, you know, nerdy, brainy character, weird, awkward, quirky. Next skit, he's playing a, you know, stone cold killer. Next skit, he's playing a dad. Next skit, he's playing a woman. It's just like that ability to morph into your next idea is that's one of the most inspiring things that I could even think of. And when I look at actors and performers, even singers or writers, people who can sing one song and then sing a song completely different, write one book, write another book, polar opposite. That's, that's amazing. I understand there are, sci-fi writers and they're mystery writers right and they're amazing at what they do but those people who can write a sci-fi novel and then write a mystery novel and then write a romance novel and they're all great bodies of work that's mind-blowing to me and so that's that's what keeps me going when i when i'm able to absorb other people's creativity not just the body of work itself but their creativity what makes me laugh is when you said, <laughs> you said, I need something to do. Um, it, it, it's amazing how you're able to turn the, the negative initial start or wanting to avoid the, the pain almost to now it's like curiosity led. It's inspiration led. It's, it's almost like, once you get past that initial sort of motivation, then it becomes this wide open playground where you can play a lot more. You can, you know, just explore and create and be inspired all the time. Is that something that that's more of a regular theme for you? Or do you still feel this, this desire to prove people wrong? Because I'm not getting any negative energy and comments, I don't currently have any drive to prove anyone wrong. You know, if, if someone were to in some way communicate to me, oh, I don't think you can do that, then, okay, that would drive me. That would really, really drive me. I would catch on fire. So I'm not, I'm not, that's not the fuel that I'm using these days. The fuel that I'm using these days is purely based on one person's ability to say, 
look at Will Smith, right? He had a T he was a rapper and then he had a TV show and then he got into film and he's doing blockbuster Hollywood movies. So he kept changing the medium in which he was expressing his creativity. So that's, if I see it can be done, I know I can do it as well. Right. And then there are also things that I do that I probably I'm not even realizing that have inspired other people. And in fact, we've got feedback from the podcast where someone has said, your podcast is completely inspiring me to do uh, amazing things, things I never thought I'd be able to do. And one woman, she was just promoted to senior vice president of her company. And she said, listening to the podcast, she, she really went episode by episode by episode and just took notes and did it like it was a, we call it a mini masterclass. That's actually the beginning of the episode. We say it's your mini masterclass to career building greatness. So I guess when you pass it along, you pass the inspiration, you pass the, the passion along, it works its way back to you again. And you just keep the cycle going. And I think that's, I'm in this loop. I'm in this passion and creativity and inspiration loop. I get it from someone else. I pass it on to the next person and they pass it to someone and somehow it makes its way back to me again. I think it's worth just mentioning that because very often people can feel like perhaps they have to stay in that space where they're avoiding negativity all the time. Maybe they feel like because they haven't got anything to prove anymore, they've got no one to prove wrong anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, people tend to lose motivation at that point. But then the things that you've outlined there is like the next step. It's not the, the, the foundational motivation it's not the basic motivation it's not the i'm out to get you type motivation it's more expressive it's more expanding than just trying to chase something to you know leave the negativity behind that's worth thinking about if you're if you're listening try to step away from the negativity if you can drive towards the more expansive motivations that Rio's talking about because if I'm not mistaken things are much better for you once you're able to think this way would I be right in saying that they are uh they listen if you're getting negative energy from someone you can't control that they just gave you negative energy, right? It happened. Okay. Put that aside. You can use that for motivation, but you don't want to keep coming back to that negative source of motivation every time you need a push because it's, it's going to make you too negative. So if it happens one time, Hey, say, look, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to prove you wrong. Watch me and then move on get away from that person. Don't keep coming back to them and say, Hey, you know, could you say some bad stuff to me again today? I'm feeling a little lack of load of lack of motivation here. <laughs> yeah. So, so now you have to find positive things, positive things to move you forward from that initial uh, spark that you had. And you can draw upon positive things anywhere because they're everywhere. You can just walk outside and look at the clouds and nature and take a walk in the park go for a jog, swim, 
sit in a pool, sit in a bathtub. The shower is one of the most amazing places for me to formulate ideas. I have come up with things in a shower that, I mean, if I were able to act on, upon all of them, <laughs> you know, I'd, you know I'd, I'd probably own everything that there is. But of course, I can't. So I only act on what I can and I write down my ideas. That's motivation. You can look back, you can write. They say to keep a journal. Your own journal could be motivation because those are your thoughts and you can't retain all of your thoughts, but what you can do is you can go back and review them and figure out, okay, why am I doing this? If you ever forget, if you ever lose your way. Um, and hopefully that you'll have people around you who encourage you. So ask for feedback, improve your feedback system, go to people and say, be honest with me. What do you think about this that I just did? If it's crap, just tell me, please just tell me. You'll be doing me a favor by telling me, not by sugarcoating it. And then you can say, why is it crap? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you can improve on those things until they say, this is much better. Now, this is good. Okay. If it doesn't improve, maybe it's just not for you. And maybe you have to move on. But as long as you can track some progress, you have trackable progress, stick with it. Never give up. If you believe you were meant to do it, never quit. Because you can't fail at anything unless you quit. If you're still doing it, you haven't failed yet. So just never, if you, if you want to prove everyone wrong, just don't quit. That's the simplest way to put it, right? You mentioned that you don't act on all of the, the thoughts and inspiration that you get. How many would you say that you get in, let's say, a day or a week? And out of those, how many would you say you were able to act on? Uh, and is there like a, a weird ratio that you could maybe come up with? Oh, that, <laughs> the number of ideas that I get in a day. You know, I'd say in a week, over a hundred ideas. They could be the smallest, smallest, simplest ideas that I can't act on because they don't involve business. They just maybe an easier way for me to do something I'm already doing. Two grand things, two things that will require me to completely shift my life and my career, which I just can't do for a whim or a thought. But I'll write it down, right? too many ideas, way too many ideas to, to act upon. So I just have to break them down into, okay, so what's actionable? Um, if I'm maybe editing my podcast, instead of doing it this way, I'll do it that way. And that'll shave five or 10 minutes off my process. Okay. That works. Right. That's an idea. And, and I can use it and it's streamlined. It fits into what I'm already doing. But if it's an idea that's totally outside of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, I know I just can't act on it right now. Um, I could, you know, I've come up with all kinds of ideas and they will require establishing a company and an invention and manufacturing. No, I just, I'll put it on the side and maybe I'll come back to it in the future, but it'll just be an idea. And I'm, I'm okay with my ideas just, you know, living in their own space and and not 
doing anything else. I'm perfectly fine with that. But what I what I am looking for more is actionable ideas. Like what can I what idea can I come up with that I can do right now? It's not outside of what I already do. And I, I implement those as soon as I possibly can. You know, and I think that's what we have to do. We have to value our time and say, is this idea worth the time? Because if it's not worth the time, then let's uh, let's put it on the side. I'll wait until I, I have the time to gamble and on, on this idea. But if this is idea is something I could do on the way to work, such as listen to an audiobook while I'm driving about something I want to learn that I'm making a side hustle. Now we've got an actionable idea that doesn't take any time out of our out of our daily life. And so those are the things that you that you act on right away. What's the craziest idea that you've ever had? I I I believe the craziest idea I ever had is for my own self-protection already forgotten <laughs> because I know I've had really crazy ideas but I think what my mind says was you know what that is so nuts that forget about it and it just it's gone I don't I I have no idea what it is <laughs> for my own good <laughs> your own <laughs> listen rio uh great idea but uh, for health and safety reasons we can't keep this in your head anymore uh we've got to put it out of your head don't think about it anymore is it is it something that's like so crazy that you you like write it down and then like throw it in the bin because it's not you can't even keep it in the journal anymore if it's too crazy i won't even write it down i'll just i'll let it pass i'll just say okay i'm the fact that I even thought about that is a little as worrying. So, it, it, you know, because it, some ideas come purely from imagination, right? Some ideas are just they're they're almost almost fantasy, where it's like there's no way in the world I'm ever going to try that. So I might as well just uh, it was just a thought, right? It's not even an idea; it's just a thought. It was like a you're going into some alternate universe in your mind, and you're just imagining, like you know. Imagine if I could suddenly uh, learn how to, um, you know, hit a golf ball better than Tiger Woods. What if I just start today? What if I just unlock the secret to a golf swing? Oh, you know what? Let me get back to my podcast and my acting and <laughs> stick with what I know. You know, so it, it was, it's a thought. I don't know if those are really feasible ideas <laughs> to act on. I, I really focus on ideas that I could just, I can just do it right now. I could get out the shower and almost, okay, let me, I'll try it. I'll try it right now. Or I'll try it sometime today. I don't, I don't try to go too crazy with my ideas um, because it could harm something else I'm doing. It could take away valuable time from something else that I'm currently learning and building. And if it's a huge, if it's a big idea, I, I do believe you should dream big write that big idea down if it's doable and keep it until you need to act on it. And so th those are what make the short list. Those make the cut. The crazy ideas that who knows would have wound me up in a hospital bed or, or worse. Those ideas, I just like, you know, I shed those. <laughs> just 
<laughs> they just they go into the shredder into idea shredder and i have it's it's like shredding paper you have no idea of of what that paper was when it was once whole by looking at the shreds so it's good to know that there are some ideas that don't even make it to the journal reel that's it's something that's worth thinking about based on that then what's the future like for you then so you've got the podcast you've got the acting you've got a whole host of other things going on that we didn't really have the chance to to touch on today so how do you envision the future being like so we're we're coming towards what we hope is the tail end of the pandemic and things are opening up the acting industry is starting to refine its process for testing. And then there'll be vaccines. And if you're vaccinated, I think, you know, maybe you just take one test and you're good. So that, but right before it, it shut down, I mean, I was, I was, I was doing really well. I was, um, I'm on a TV series uh, over here on, on ABC network channel seven called for life about a man who was wrongfully imprisoned for life and studied to become an attorney and uh, got himself off. And so uh, that's executive producer Hank Steinberg and, and 50 Cent. Uh, they brought me back for the second season. The second season was, a, of course, different from the first season because we had to go through COVID testing. And then there were a lot of other productions that shut down and... Um, there were no auditions at a point unless you were doing voice acting. So moving forward now, they're starting to pour back in again. And there's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of ideas that are coming off the shelf. And um, I I'm currently exploring some of those opportunities. And I've been working with um, a very large home improvement company over here in the States, uh, Lowe's, Lowe's Home, home Improvement. Uh, I've been a um, motivational spokesperson for them for the past uh, two and a half, three years. And we just did a campaign um, making it with Lowe's with Damon John from Shark Tank, in which individual product creators and inventors pitch their product to Lowe's for a chance for their product to be sold in a Lowe's store. Uh, we just wrapped that up and uh, working on a few other things in the acting front. and. Like I said, right now, everything is opening up. So uh, I'm going to be getting involved with some projects um, right now as we speak. And those projects will come to light where I'll be able to talk more about them uh, very soon. I'll probably announce it on my website and my podcast or social media. My podcast, we're, we're coming towards uh, tomorrow's our 23rd episode. We planned between somewhere between 25 and 30 episodes of just myself and my co-host, Roseanne Santos, we would start interviewing guests um, in the career space. And uh, so we'll start interviewing guests uh, soon, within the next couple of months. So that that's going to be new for us because we've never interviewed anyone on the podcast. It's just been her and I. We obviously have a lot to say. And uh, other, other than that, I'm big into health and fitness. So now that we have warmer weather, I'm ecstatic to be outside, to be exercising and playing sports again, not just, not just being in the gym, spending a lot of time with my family. And 
whatever other creative endeavors I find the time for. But those things I mentioned are enough to keep me busy. They really are. Yeah, for sure. It definitely sounds like you've got a lot going on. So the podcast is Design Your Decade, which is everywhere we can listen to our podcasts. Obviously, you have a website and things as well. So I'll put links to those in the show notes for today's show. And if you're brand new to the show, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Leave a review if you love the show and tag me and Rio on social media. We'd love to know your thoughts about the podcast. Rio, thanks for being a guest. I really enjoyed it. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Thanks for having me, Mike. I had a blast.